0: Seahawks Man to Man is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. Whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to man2man.robinhood.com. That's man2man.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rmbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. I don't feel bad at all. Um, <laughs> no, because I'm just happy with the way we came out there and fought. Like the whole game, you know, we're going to halftime. You know, we're down to 1 3. Like this. you know, most people, most teams only. They give up and we didn't, you know, that whole second half was so different, you know, and making the plays that we made it, we really had everybody to start to believe that we can win this. And I feel like the main thing we have to do now is capture that moment, capture that time where we, the way we felt while we was playing, while we were on the verge of coming back, we need to take that into the beginning of our game. Welcome back to another episode of Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast. My name is Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And in Milwaukee, we have Mike Dugard, man. Mike, what is up?
1: Oh, man, it is a cold, cold night here in Milwaukee, which is a, a good, like, two hours away from Green Bay, for those who don't know, especially when you're driving in the snow. It's been 45 minutes behind the snowplow on the highway in the middle of the night. But... Here, uh, getting ready to fly back uh, back home after the Seahawks lost to end their season in the divisional round of the playoffs, lost to the Green Bay Packers, twenty eight to twenty three, and then you know what you guys just heard right there is uh Kill Griffin after the game, kind of expressing a sentiment that a lot of the people uh, in the locker room kind of felt like they were frustrated, clearly frustrated, but there was a like a sense of optimism with the younger dudes. Kind of feeling like, hey, you know, this team in 2012 took a loss just like this, uh, and then the next year they went to go win the Super Bowl. And then like, those words, especially hearing them from like Marshawn Lynch, those words will be a lot of people believe. And there is a lot of good pieces uh, on this team, uh, but I think what the the only real thing that the 2012 Seahawks and the 2019 Seahawks have is that they come out flat and then need some type of hero ball to save the day, both on offense and on defense. And Chris, when I watch this game today, or at least tonight, I, I think I think we really need to start to take a look at what goes in to them needing the hero ball. Because it was never really a sustainable model, right? Like Russell Wilson has his he's got like this rep now, like, oh, we got a chance, we got number three, which is fine. You know, that that is but it's not you can't rely on that, right? Because Remember that twenty twelve team, not only did they have Russ or twenty thirteen or whoever, not only did they not only not only did they have Russ getting all these, you know, big plays and these comebacks, the defense was getting on the ball back. Right? This defense is not the Legion of Boom. If we've learned nothing else over the past two seasons by the Seahawks, it is that I think the the ability to recreate a dynamic defense like the ones that were winning division titles and and you know going to the MC title game, we, over- we overestimated how difficult it would or, or underestimated how difficult it would be to to recreate that. Like, look at how this team looks with no free safety. They had to trade for one in the middle of the season. Look how this team lo- looks without Frank, without Mike, without Cliff. Look how this team looks without Sherm, who just was second team All Pro, I believe. Like it, these pieces are not. Look how this team looks without Cam. You know, obviously they wanted to have Cam, but you get my point. And they don't have the same margin for error. So when you don't have that same margin for error and you're trying to mount these comebacks against good teams, you're not going to be able to do that just on the strength of having Russell. You're, you're, you're just not. And when we dive into why these guys get so far behind, and we'll unpack a little bit of that now, this team just can't keep relying on, oh, oh whatever, we're resilient, we'll just fight back, we got Russ. Nah, man, how about you put yourself in a position where you don't have to have Russ put his cape on and start running around like chicken with his head cut off and then make all these plays for you. You know, that's an option as well. And, like, when I talked to a lot of the people after the game, I was actually troubled by their answers. You know, a lot of people mentioned uh, players and coaches. I didn't go to PQL's press conference. I read the transcript and watched a little bit of the video. It was uh, It was like the focus was on the wrong things. It was just like... Uh, oh, we fought back, oh, we fought back, oh, we fought back, oh, we fought back. And I get why from the human element, I understand why they would default to that because you want to default to something positive or else you're just going to be doom and gloom season. But it's just like they have to know. You cannot put yourself in that position. We're trying to come back down from 18 points at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers. I don't care who your quarterback is. You ain't about to do that. And they did that too many times this year. Uh, And fell short, and I think that is all. This this type of loss was indicative of their whole season. It was come out flat, start uh, start the second half on fire, and hope Russ saves the day. And you just cannot do that. And I hope that that is the takeaway from this. Not that just oh we still had a chance at the end, you know. So that's something to build off of. It's not, man. We need we need to figure out why we keep getting down from the jump in the first place.
0: Address that, and you address you know the bigger issue. I think. Yeah, I mean, it was written on the wall for how this season pretty much would come to an end. And, again, as you mentioned, they were down 18 points. And, sure, they believe they can come back. But how much of that do you want to just put on Russ? I mean, to your point, the defense has to play better. The O-line has to be consistent throughout the whole game. Things like that matter. And we talked about the pass rush. It Hit or miss it has to be a hit for this team to be successful, and it wasn't. It wasn't a hit enough. They had plays, big plays where they needed them, but they also fell short in certain times and also came down to a game of matchups. Overall, if you look at each matchup, you're thinking, oh, the Seahawks have a chance here and there, but as the game got tighter and tighter, those matchups really came to fruition and plays weren't being made based off those matchups. So One play that stands out to me is on a third and five. The Seahawks have a ball, Have the ball with about four minutes left, and they have Hollister trying to stop Preston Smith. And ultimately, what happened is Russ gets sacked, and it's fourth and forever. Fourth and nine, fourth and ten, if I'm not mistaken. Fourth and 11. Fourth and 11. Yeah, fourth and 11. And here you are saying, shoot, I mean, do we go for it? Do you punt? I mean, in that situation, that's a tough call. I mean, I get why they did punt it. And then to... Have the Green Bay Packers? You have them at third and third and long, and you have the decision. Okay, we have one timeout left. We see that Hugo is in the slot, going up against Devontae Adams. And at this point, you have to realize: well, Devontae Adams has been eating us the entire game. All right, at this point in the game, with a few minutes left, he has seven catches for a buck forty. Buck forty, we'll say a buck forty. I know he gained I think what seventeen yards on that play. He ended I think with...
1: he had seven catches for like one twenty
0: eight at the time. Wow. And then he ended with eight catches for one sixty and two touchdowns. In that situation, you gotta call a timeout. Burn that timeout and get your get the play call right. Make sure everyone's on the same page. Because what ultimately ends up happening is you have a rookie guarding the best receiver on the field at this time. And he makes an easy play. I mean, that's routine. They run a little fade route. Hugo doesn't put any pressure on him. Delano Hill is too far off to help. And that ultimately is ball game. I mean, those little things right then and there, I mean, those are two instances. I'm sure, Mike, we can find more. But those are two big plays. I mean, Malik Turner has a drop. That changes everything. Because if he makes that catch, the Seahawks' momentum is, is still rolling. But that drop... That really killed him as well. I mean, there were plays today that they just didn't make. And unfortunately, they tried to put it all on Russ to be the hero. And the writing was on the wall. I mean, Russ can only do so much. It's it's awesome when your defense makes plays and gets you the ball back. The Seahawks didn't have any turnovers today. I mean, had they got one turnover, who knows what could have happened. But they didn't get any turnovers. It was just a domin- domination from a Green Green Bay standpoint, and it's unfortunate that, the, that they lost this way. Well,
1: and, and it goes back to what I was saying about margin of error too. So, like for those who don't know, I have just watched the uh, NFC title game twenty fourteen. I, I mean, I saw it live, um, at least on TV, and then I just rewatched it, just the whole thing, every single play, just on like Thursday or Friday, I think. And it's it was a perfect illustration of how tight. And how just one play, here or there, swings everything. And it shows the problem with getting down like, like the Seahawks do. Because when you get down like the Seahawks do, like 21-3 or 28-10, to you have to play perfect football mm. to have a chance. You know, there is no room for you to mess up. You look at all the things they had to go right to win the NFC title game, they had no business beating the Packers that week. None. Zero. No. They had none, bro. They should have been down far more than 16 nothing. Luke Wilson should have never caught that two-point conversion. That was ridiculous. They got an onside kick in that game, which is also ridiculous. Like, you look at all the things that had to happen, and when you play poorly like that, because you're ultimately outmatched from a talent standpoint. Green Bay is the more talented team. I would say that all week, and I think the game ended up playing out that way. Uh, They were able to bottle up Aaron Jones. I think I think he didn't. He didn't have that great. I mean, obviously, he got busy on the goal line, but he had 21 carries for 62 yards, and he got 23 of those on one carry. So on his other 20 carries, I think that means he gained 39 yards. So he, they did a good job on him. I thought actually, it was a uh, they couldn't stop Devontae Adams, and I know a lot of people want to know about like the coverages on Adams, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I mean, sometimes talent just wins, right? I mean, that's I think it's like we ignore that after every playoff game. It feels like a coach has to be fired, or there are all these other things, which we'll also get into uh, with our with our listener questions. But sometimes you lose to a better team. That is exactly what happened on Sunday night. The Packers are better. They put their players in position to succeed, which you mentioned with the matchups. They put Devontae Adams on Trey Flowers all night. Yeah, because they knew they knew that that was the better matchup. He caught. I think he caught three balls on Trey for 74 yards and two touchdowns. And you know, you know what they knew. That was the better matchup because that's what that's what good coaching is. The Seahawks have been doing that at times this year. They put Tyler on some cats. They put DK on some scrubs, and DKs then went off. Uh, but they couldn't do that against these guys. Kevin King is not a scrub, and neither is Jair Alexander. There was no scrubs on the field for them to go really exploit in that way. And you just have to play perfect football and win all your one-on-one matchups when you're down 18. Like. Yeah, Malik should have caught it, but they shouldn't have been in the position where every catch has to be made for every big chunk, and the pass protection has to be big on every play, and there has to be no penalties on any of these next drives. Or you know, they had to play perfect. It's it's, it's unfair to everyone else in the team. Actually, not everyone else in the team. It's just unfair to ask put your players in a position, or the players put themselves in a position, where they have to be perfect for so you know, and that. In that little time frame, you just can't do that. No one, you can't. This team can't do that, and that's why I don't want to make the, the the jump for making this the 2012 to 2019 comp. That 2012 team had a legion of boom. They could erase a margin of error. Yeah, like like or I guess I should say they could widen
0: the margin for error. They could make mistakes. You no, know, there there was room for that. There was room
1: for us to throw four picks in a game and then still win. there's room for us to come out flat and then just magically turn it on. You know, there's, there's room for all that. This team doesn't have room for that. Because you mentioned they didn't force a turnover on Sunday. They haven't forced a turnover in four weeks. Mm. It isn't just that they haven't forced a turnover this last game. They didn't force one against Arizona. They didn't turn over the Niners. They didn't turn over Philly with their 47-year-old quarterback, old Josh is, and they didn't turn over Aaron Rodgers. So you look at that right there, this team doesn't have what that 2012 team had. You could tell that there were some blossoming stars there that were headed for greatness. How many people think there's a great play, there are great players on the defense? I think there are some very good ones. I think Rasheem is going to be good. I think Shaquille is a very good player. I think Bradley a good player. I think Quandre is a good player. But I don't think anyone sees like Legion of Boom 2.0 in anyone I just named. I think that's that's the the problem with making the 2012 to 2019 comp. And so that's why I think they don't need to just address the little plays that they didn't make at the very end. I think they need, to, they need to ultimately, and not just for this game, but for the entire season, take a good hard look at what's happening when you get down, when you are coming out flat, when you're getting smacked by Arizona, when the Rams are running all over you, when Baltimore hits you in the mouth, when the Saints hit you in the mouth, you know, when the Niners hit you in the mouth the second time around. Go look at what's happening in those scenarios. Address that, whether it's talent or scheme or whatever. Then you won't be in a situation at least every week where Russ has got to save your butt. You know, there was a. We could nitpick the game itself, you know, until so I missed my flight here. <laughs> uh, but I think the ultimate thing to fix the issues with this team is starting with that. Why do you get down in the first place? You know, not the little plays in later on, because no one can be perfect all the time like this team needs to be. So I know we got to get into the questions and we'll, we'll dive into a lot of stuff I'm, I'm kind of forecasting here. But, like, big picture, because the reason why they lost is not like. Random and it's not like unique to this game. They have plenty of games like this look just like the Niners game, for the most part. Uh, in week seventeen, got got down, rallied, got close, fell short because everything needed to go their way, and everything's not going to go your way in the playoffs. You need a little bit of luck, and this team doesn't have the talent to overcome not having all the luck
0: go their way. No, it's it's absolutely right. As I said, it's been written on the wall. I mean, every game they pretty much played in. That they were down and out. They tried to get on that last-minute comeback. And in the postseason, it's going to be that much of a challenge, more of a challenge to do it. You're going up against the Green Bay Packers. You're not going up against the Philadelphia Eagles and they go out to a 21-3 lead, which would be horrendous. But these are things that you have to take into account for. I mean, I don't know if they go to San Francisco and they're able to win if they start off losing 21-3 against that running offense and what they have with with their tight end and I'm just drawing a blank with his name, but who George Kittle? Yes. I mean those are these are things it's gonna it's not gonna get easier pretty much. And the way they play tonight, if they were let's say they did win this game, oh man, it'd be tough to say they're gonna go to San Francisco and pull out a victory. I mean, just with their pass rush and what they bring, the late the late game heroics is going to be very tough on Rush because you know what they're gonna do you know exactly what they're going to do. Luckily, against Green Bay, Russ was able to make things happen in the second half, and they played damn near perfect for them to even have this incredible comeback. I mean, Tyler Lockett goes off, gets over 100 yards receiving. DK has a decent game. But it's got to be from the start. I mean, they defensively, they came out. The first two plays were first downs for the Packers. A run to Aaron Jones, and then a quick bootleg to Devontae Adams. I mean, right then and there, I'm thinking, oh, boy. This is going to be 7-0, and it was 7-0. The defense did respond, got a stop. David Clowney was able to chase Aaron Rodgers out of bounds. Seahawks still couldn't score. A missed field goal opportunity. Little things just added up. I mean, had had they made it 14-6 with Jason Myers making the field goal, things might have changed. But, unfortunately, it didn't go that way, and the Seahawks ultimately end up losing. But we do have a lot of Twitter questions, Mike. You ready to get rolling on these? Uh, Yeah. Yeah man, let's do it. And I will hop on this flight. Why the bleep was Delano Hill in on the game-ending play? And he's uh, talking about uh, that Jimmy don't Graham have any one. Other safeties, really? I'm assuming
1: they're referring to the Jimmy Graham you know, yes. first
0: down that may have not been a first
1: down uh, to basically ice the game. But I mean, they they were in their dime look, so they had all their DBs on the field. I think Ugo was in. Pretty sure Bradley, Quandre, and Leno were all in together. They blitzed Bradley. A bunch of cats, to be honest. You know, Rogers saw it, he went to the matchup. I mean, they only have so many safeties. Marquise Blair was inactive, he turned his ankle in practice. Uh, That's it. Now, I will say this for Lano A, I think he stopped him short, but whatever. Even if they weren't, even if they were short, they're just gonna sneak it, get it, game over anyway. Now, the other thing is, I think Jimmy only had like three catches in the game, three or four. Uh, let me check, he had three. He first catch, he beat Bradley in man coverage, second catch. He beat KJ in man coverage. So to just if we're just gonna assume that if someone other than Leno was on him, Jimmy doesn't catch it. It's like I mean he was winning all night, or at least when they needed him to win. So I, I don't necessarily think oh man nah Leno you stink no. It's like Jimmy was the man that night. They were winning one on one matches. Jimmy's still a good tight end. No people in Seattle don't think that. Uh, he was gonna win whatever matchup uh, probably, and they needed to send pressure. They couldn't let Rogers just sit back there. So. I mean yeah it was it was a bad play it ended the, the season ultimately but it wasn't nearly as costly I thought as the, the one you mentioned with Ugo where they should have probably just put Shaq on him in the slot and it just took that away or made it a lot harder because th- that was really unfair to Ugo to put him in that spot I know Ugo still ultimately got to make the play but I thought it was unfair that they put him in that
0: position. Alright, feel like the fans this offseason are going to be haunted by that 4th and eleven decision to punt instead of going for the win. Risks are similar. Chance of reward greater with never kick. Why doesn't the media interrogate Pete on his aggressiveness? Uh,
1: okay, don't attack us. We do. We asked Pete all year about his 4th down decision making. Uh, what goes into that? Who is advising him? Does he look at analytics? We, we found every way to quiz him on it and keep saying... You know, they have a system. They won't tell us what it is. But at the end of the day, I know what it is. He's conservative. He trusts his defense. Whether he should, mm, probably not. But he does. He trusts his defense. And he, he, he believes what he believes. You know, he's a conservative coach. He wasn't going to go for that 4th and 11. I knew he wasn't going to go for that 4th and 11. Should he have gone for the 4th and 11? Yeah, man. But he's Pete Carroll. He is, if you don't think we've been quizzing him on it enough or pressing him about it, you're just not listening. I think, because he said his answer. And I'm pretty sure most people who've listening to this show right now can tell you why Pete didn't go for it on fourth and eleven. They can tell you why. He hasn't gone for stuff like that all year. He hasn't gone for stuff like that most of his career. Like, you can just see. Like, we know why. He's conservative. He. This is exactly what Pete was thinking. He was thinking on third and five. He was like, look, maybe if we don't. I, I, I never talked to Pete today, but I can just read his mind. He was thinking, third and five, cool. If we don't get it, like, if we're short and we just throw incomplete, we'll go for it here. He was, like, probably thinking, if they get a sack, we can't go for it because the sack will just bump us too far back. Because I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, that's how Pete's thinking this. I said it in the press box or so the cat I was sitting next to. What happens? Sack, punts it. They have three timeouts left. I think there was, like, four minutes or something left. Like, they had time to get the ball back. Yes. Their, their defense had a gotta stop prior so i mean i see everything he was thinking uh should they have gone for it yes i told multiple players that in the locker room but the defense was like we should have got to stop and they are right like but ultimately i guess the short version of what i'm saying is pete has made clear why he doesn't in those situations it's not for a lack of us asking like we have asked and he's answered and he's not gonna change
0: this next question we have a freeze frame of. Delano, or excuse me, Leno Hill tackling Jimmy Graham, and it appears to be short. The question is, how is this acceptable, especially in the context of critical playoff games? For a billion-dollar business, how is this okay? How are fans annually okay with the quality of this product?
1: Um. Okay, so I've seen that same screen grab uh, that you're talking about. Now, the yellow line is not always official for first downs. I think that should be clear. I haven't seen a look that has... Jimmy Graham short, and it shows the actual like down marker on the sideline. That's what you have to use. So I have, until I see that, because I thought he was short, but that angle, yes, it looks like it with the uh, with the yellow marker and that that freeze frame. But until we see where the yard marker is too, it's hard to say because that yard marker is not, or the, excuse me, the, the the first down line, that yellow line is not official. That's just for TV. Like they can't see that on the field. You know, that's 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 for us. They actually use something different to measure there. So, I mean, I get why that's frustrating, but, uh, ultimately, like, unless you have a definitive angle, which I never saw one, you you can't overturn it.
0: Thank you guys for hosting this podcast. What was your favorite Seahawks game of the season and why? Who, if anyone, are you cheering for to win the Super Bowl now? Um, I'm, I'm,
1: well, I'm in a fantasy playoff. Uh, where we draft but we draft a bunch of players and then it's just like your team scores as you as you go right like just no head to heads it's just like alright most points wins so I have Mahomes Damian Williams and Tyreek so I'm rooting for the Chiefs just cause I wanna win money no personal investment um my favorite game was the Niners game on the road this year Chris just cause it was the, it was like the the best version of what the Seahawks could offer. It wasn't like they had to just get down early and rally. No, they they withstood punches, threw punches back, and then threw the last one at the end. It wasn't one of this rally nonsense. So, I don't know what yours was, but that, that was mine.
0: I gotta go with the game against Minnesota. I really enjoyed that. Chris Carson, he, he played really well. I think he had like 100 yards plus a touchdown. Russell Wilson was going right back at Kirk Cousins. I mean, That was a good game. I enjoyed it. I don't want to copy Mike and (laughs) take that one, so I will go with that game. Next up, sometimes the end of the line comes before you want. Most importantly, thanks for allowing the fans to be a part of your journey of the Hawks season. Greatly appreciate it. What questions are you looking to get answered in the offseason? Thanks again, Mike and Chris. Keep killing it. Man, I like the
1: inception we got going here. It was like, the question is, what
0: questions do we ask? Which is deep. But <laughs> uh,
1: when, when you think about it, it is. It is.
0: Um, it is, yes.
1: Um, the, the main... Okay. Three things. I'll try to keep this short to three. First thing, what is it going to cost, cost to keep Jadavion Clowns? That's just the main thing. Sports training, surgery, is probably going to throw a wrench in the whole thing. Plus, he's not... Uh, they're not able, excuse me. They're not able to tag him either with the transition tag or with the franchise tag. So I'm not really sure how that's gonna go. That's the one thing. Two is Pete Carroll and his and his and his staff gonna realize that? Sure, they want to be a run team, but they need to. They need to bolster their passing game. Like they need a better passing attack. They just do. They need better pass protecting guards, and they need more weapons for Russ like that's you just have to do it uh let's see here the third thing I wanna know is how is the O-line just gonna look like Jermaine's a free agent DJ Fluker I believe was a free agent I believe Mike Ayupati is a free agent uh Justin Britt needs to rehab most of the year or most of the offseason you know what are they gonna do with Joey Hunt I think Joey might be a free agent as well he's in the same draft class as, uh, as Jermaine um so, what is O-line going to look like? Is it just going to be Dwayne and four new cats? Because that, that could be a problem, too. Or it could be glorious. I don't know. Um, I didn't think the O-line pass protected very well this year. So maybe they should make some changes. So, uh, those are the main things I want to know. I just maybe a fourth thing here. Can the Seahawks get lucky in the draft? Not just draft some okay players or some starters or whatever. Can they do like 2012, 2011, 2010? Can they find an all-pro? They drafted all pros In each of those three drafts In 2010, 11, and 12 Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman All pros Russ just made second team for the first time Can can they get one of those? They need one of those Preferably on defense But they just need one It doesn't matter where it is Safety, corner, linebacker, DN Doesn't matter D-tackle doesn't matter Can you find one? This team doesn't go to Super Bowl I don't think without one
0: So I need those four
1: questions answered
0: Perfect. Is there a real chance of coaching slash coordinator turnover?
1: No. Uh, maybe, maybe like a position coach or two, but but no. And here's why. You got to remember, Pete Carroll's not like someone who gives autonomy to uh, the coordinators. The coordinators are just running an extension of whatever Pete Carroll says. Right? They design the stuff, and you know, it's ultimately they call the stuff on game days. But really like whoever the defensive if chris if you're the defensive coordinator and i'm the offensive coordinator for pete carroll pete's just gonna tell me to run the rock set up the play action and be physical that's what you gonna tell me and if i don't do that i'm fired right you know you're the defensive coordinator is gonna tell you chris you're gonna play a lot of cover three uh we're gonna we're gonna try to get a, get me a pass rush with four and we're gonna not let allow anything over the top we're gonna play a lot of single eye safety looks Right, so we can uh, help stop the run. Stop the run first and foremost, and it's be your goal. He's going to tell us to do that. If we don't do that, we're fired. Now, we need to come up with the ways to do that with the talent that we are given, but that's just how it would be if he hired me and you. You know, so like, and that's it. We have no, even if we believe in different things, we want to do different stuff with the talent. No, 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 no. He has a he has a way of doing things. And if you just don't, if you don't find a version of that that he likes, then you're gone. You know that he likes the end that's effective, I should say, then you're gone. So, no, they're not gonna fire Kenny and they're not gonna fire Shotty because they do what Pete says and they just won 12 games, including the playoffs. So, no, like it's mostly because they don't have autonomy anyway. So, whoever's in there, it doesn't matter, you know, it, it just doesn't. They're only doing what Pete says.
0: Perfect. Pass protection wasn't that bad in the first half. Why didn't the Seahawks? Throwing some short yardage pass plays instead of trying to push the ball downfield.
1: The thing what they weren't is not that they're trying to push it downfield a ton. So you have to understand, Shotty knows the pass protection is spotty at times. So he uses a lot of tight ends. He uses a lot of running backs. He uses George Fant. He he tries to protect. So they do a lot of like two man routes with like a tight end in there, or two man routes with like a running back outlet, something like that. Because they just know they need the rest needs time. Uh, also, they were pushing it downfield. To take the safeties in the corners away So Russ could scramble too They did a lot of that So it's not necessarily They don't drop quick stuff They do They did They did today Um, It just didn't work And that's been the case A lot of the season It's not like teams are taking away The quick pass They're they're just taking away everything A lot of the time Because they lack for some talent DK is really good Tyler's really good Uh, But they don't have the depth At receiver to be consistently Like potent Without Russ just being like The magic man
0: Is there, well, I need you to put your, actually, yeah, put your general manager hat on, and let's go down this one real quick. Is there anybody on the offensive line who will be starting for this team in 2021? Only possibilities I see are Jamarco Jones and George Fant. What do you think of that? Um,
1: no, I think, well, what do you mean? You mean, like, new guys, or?
0: Yes, new guys. Who's coming in, if possibly, and who's going to be staying the only people that he sees that are going to stay, Jamarco Jones and George Fant. Mm, That'll be starting, too, th- that is.
1: I, uh, I think Phil Haynes probably starts. I don't think George starts. I don't think George starts. I think I think Phil Phil and Jamarco are probably your best best Those might be your two starting guards next year, Phil and Jamarco.
0: Perfect. With guys rocking a few variations on the Jordan cleats in games... What is a sneaker that you would love to see turn into a football, cleat?
1: This is such a great question. Who asked this question, by the way?
0: Tim Foss.
1: All right, Tim, that's a great question. That's why you got the shot out there. I'm going to go with the Red October Yeezys, the Nike joints from a long time ago. I want to say those came out maybe when we were in high school, Chris, maybe like 2009, 2010. Google those if you don't. Red October yeezys the kanye joints. those as cleats would change the game that is all
0: <laughs> all right are the seahawks and pete going to turn into maybe packers and mccarthy situation has it already happened
1: no i don't think the organization of the seahawks is as dysfunctional as that relationship was the head coach quarterback thing was never really good from the jump uh I think that was really where the deterioration kind of like initiated was just from the fact that Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy were never really on the same page Uh, so that relationship was always going to be like unstable and eventually it just combusted Uh, I think as long as this team is consistently making the playoffs and winning playoff games there will be none of that uh, especially while they have like a hands-off owner like Jody Allen kind of is the acting owner of the team I just think that like what Pete does is so successful in the big picture like not in the big picture but just like generally he wins a lot more games than a lot of other coaches in the league and until that stops nothing drastic is going to change like let me put it that way they keep making the playoffs Pete stays that's it that's just bottom line
0: All right, this question is about the fast start he wants to know Is going for a fast start in the offense, is that a priority for Shoddy and Russ? Can they implement some scrambles to keep the defense honest?
1: Uh, It's hard to implement scrambles. Um, Here's the thing about the the starting fast stuff and unleashing Russ, and I mentioned it in my column that's out just briefly. It just goes against everything Pete is. Now, I'm not necessarily agreeing with Pete in this. I'm just trying to get you guys into, like, trying to get you an answer that, that kind of aligns with what Pete would tell you if you could ask him directly. I'm like the bridge in that regard. Pete would tell you that Pete's going to look at this game and not see that, oh, man, we should just do what we did in the in the second half in the first half. He's never looked at it that way. You guys got to understand that. This ain't the first time they've done that. He, he looks at it as, we had to do that because we couldn't run the rock. That's what he's going to look at that at that tape and say, I guarantee you, he looks at that and he's like, wow, I'm disappointed that we didn't run the ball better, you know, early on, you know, got knocked back, got pushed off the rock, they did some things, blah, 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 you know, because ultimately what people are asking for when they say, oh, why don't we just do that, the that is really one-dimensional. It's a lot of dropbacks, a lot of acts, and Russ will do a lot of magic. And maybe you can do that in a game or two. But if you're thinking like, oh, that's going to be our identity, then Pete's not going to be for that. It's too, it's too risky because Pete's a risk-averse coach. He's going to feel that it's too risky. You're risking negative plays, sacks, interceptions, fumbles, and you're risking the quarterback's health. That'd be If they played backyard football 16 games, Russ would die. right? He would. And Pete knows that. You know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with him there. Um, although I do think if they did play that way at the start, they would be up a lot more and be able to maybe rest Russ later. I digress. Uh, ultimately, that is a dangerous style of play. A lot of people are like, oh, Lamar's not going to have a long career because they use him a lot to attack as a runner. So, like, it's it's doable. There's a balance there between, like, becoming the Ravens or the Chiefs and being what the Seahawks are. Um, can they find it? I'm not sure. But they're not just going to. Pete didn't look at that second half like you guys all are. You guys looking at it like let's just harness that from the second half, do it in the first half. Pete's like, no, why don't we just run the ball better in the first half? Then we don't get blown out. Which I don't necessarily disagree with all the way because if you do execute, you don't get blown out. That's just a fact. Uh, so it's it's complicated, it's tricky, but I'm pretty sure that is how Pete would 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 try to like soothe the wound. I guess right now he that would be his like response in this situation.
0: Honestly, a division round exit feels about right. What's one unrealistic free agent, signing, trade, target that you would love to see, but don't think there's a chance in hell of it happening? Ooh, that's a good one.
1: You know... I've been thinking they need to just like if they're not going to have a pass rush to just have two like shut down corners. I know Trey, they're getting him for a bargain, and he had a lot of picks this year, maybe a lot, like three. I I don't know who who the corners are on the market right now, um, but if there's like a splashy one available, I would think that's where where they go. You know that that would be something like. I mean, they're not going to do it. Like, you know, do you know if there's any splashy corners on the market right now, Chris?
0: All right, right now you have – well, let's start. Chris Harris, he's 31. He is an option. Um, a lot of these cats are old, man. Eli Apple, he's another one. that's could be a possibility. Uh, Kevin Johnson of Buffalo, but there's not really – I mean, a lot of the guys that are – Jimmy Smith, he's 32. Logan Ryan. Out of Tennessee, he's 29. So there's a there's there's some talent out there.
1: Oh that's that's, that's awful. That's
0: why that's you know the word talent. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know about any of that. That's pretty bad. So yeah, so yes, there's no. Uh, yeah, no, that would be the the best bet, man. Yeah, I know. I just I just don't see it. This this team's this team's not gonna buy itself a, a Super Bowl contender in March. It's gonna be some trades. I'd have to go deeper in into look at the trade market. Maybe we kind of do another show on that later. Um, but, they, yeah, they just need an elite player at some position. I think it should just come in the draft. Like, that's your best bet. Uh, but, obviously, I guess uh, they can try it in, like, free agency, but I'm thinking that the draft is the way to go.
0: All right. How did Haynes and the other rookies that stepped up tonight look?
1: Um, I thought – Phil, I have to go back and look, man. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really watching their left guard play – in the second half, I thought Phil was fine. Uh, I had to go back and look at Travis Homer, but I thought they needed to use him more, um, especially uh, on outside runs. DK was fine. Cody Barton was fine. Like the rookie class was was solid. Uh, it was okay. I thought it was. I thought it was cool. Nothing, nothing special. Nothing too too awful. I thought, I thought they hung in there.
0: Perfect. Our last three questions. I grouped them all together because they have to do with the same thing for the most part so starting with our first group question it's about clowning what are the chances of him returning as a seattle seahawk
1: Oof, oh boy that's tricky that's tricky uh i think he's gonna be too expensive now we're gonna talk about this a lot over the next like few months but right now it's looking like some team is good Because if he becomes a free agent And they get into like a bidding war With somebody else Then it's over Like it's got to be one of those Where they got to re-sign him Before he is free agency But th- does that mean They have not get the surgery first Like like it's See I don't know There's so many different ways To go about it uh, Yeah I don't know I, I would guess right now That his agent's going to be like Look dude My client is special He's a special player He, he, he made your defense a lot better Than it would have been If he was not there uh, beginning to pay him accordingly. Uh, he's this age. The past rush market is as such. So let's talk about nine figure salaries. All right, go. And I see how like, oh, good talk. And then that's the end of the discussion. That's kind of how I foresee it going. It's going to be tricky because all the variables I mentioned earlier, but that's like my first read on the whole thing is that he's probably not going to be back unless he tells his agent, look, man, you work for me. So listen here, get me the best possible deal you can. In Seattle. If it has that at the end, then J.D.'s here. If it's just open market, all right, let's get the bag where we can get, give me the bag on the best team.
0: Okay, then, then they're out of luck. All right. The second one is about Ken Ken Norton. Is it about time to move on from Ken Norton as a defensive coordinator for the Seahawks? No, no, it's. It's, I'm
1: telling you guys, it does not matter who the defensive coordinator is. And if you're wondering, like, Mike, yeah, Gus Bradley, he was better. They had Dan Quinn, he was better. Chris Rashard, he was better. Yeah, yeah, they were better. They also had the Legion of Boom. Ken Norman with the Legion of Boom would probably be great. They'd probably be going to the Super Bowl right now. <laughs> they had Earl and Sherm. Just those two. Just give them back. Earl and Sherm. They'd probably go to the Super Bowl. Would Chris Rashard have been had a, had a championship defense with starting – Marquise Blair as often as they did, or Delano Hill as often as they did, or Tedrick as often as they did. Y'all hate Tedrick so much and be mad that Ken Norton can't find a way to make it work. Sometimes you just don't have the talent. Those other defensive coordinators have the talent. I mean, maybe, sure, go find someone else. you going to find some defensive coordinator who can make Delano Hill a pro bowler, that can make Marquise Blair all pro, that can make Tedrick a ball hawk. Nah, sometimes the players just got to make it happen. Like, today was not an indictment of Ken Norton, I don't think, other than the Ugo thing. Uh, because Pete doesn't like moving corners around to follow receivers, can can't do that because it's not in his instructions. So he has to trust Trey to guard Devontae. Really really, just comes back to Pete, like I know you guys want the coordinators gone, but really, which really what you're asking is, is Pete going to go or change his philosophy? And the answer to both of those things is no. So you just got to just ride this out.
0: And our last group question has to do with Snyder. What's gonna happen in the off season? Who stays? Who do you think's going? And what that draft for the twenty twenty class might look like?
1: Uh, I can't say what the class would look like. I think it should definitely start in the trenches. I think they need better pass blockers and they need better pass rushers. That's what that's what they should go for. And then you need better pass catchers. And then those are your top three, tight end included with the with the receiver position there. So if I'm Snyder, that's probably what I'm thinking of in terms of who stays and who goes. In terms of the big names, we'll we'll probably dive into this a lot more in the offseason too, but I think, I think Jermaine coming back, Clowney, I'm not sure, I said that already, Doughty does. I think Jay Reed gets tagged, and I think anyone else of any consequence is, it's too many to go down the line. Like, I think they should keep quitting Jefferson. I don't know if they will. Probably won't keep At least two of those receivers probably redo that whole thing. They need to draft a running back because they have three on IR. Uh, Shoot, maybe draft two. Uh, You probably need, like I said, need some new guards up front. It's, it's so many things. It's so many things. All the guys on one year deals. I mean, it, it, it gets tricky. But those are those would be like my priority positions. They're starting the trenches, and you need some, you know, and you need some pass catchers.
0: Perfect. Well, we want to thank everyone out there for asking Twitter questions. We appreciate the love and support. Nineteen weeks, nineteen weeks, Mike. That's a lot of podcasting, man, and a lot of writing for you as well. We want to thank you guys for riding with us through the regular season, all the way through the playoffs. Appreciate it. We're not done. We're we're just we're still gonna be cooking. We'll have a we have a we we'll have an episode once a week for you guys. We could probably still throw in the questions if you guys got some during the off season. What do you think, Mike?
1: Absolutely, I'm never gonna, you know, silence the voice of the people, I want you guys to be heard, um, so we can definitely make that happen. I'm gonna take this time right now to just say thank you, thank you for everyone who listened on our post game shows, our midweek shows, who tweeted in questions, who DM'd in questions, who texted me, who email call, whatever. If you're listening to this right now, we appreciate you. Let's keep it going all off season. Let's, talk, let's 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 keep it right back going. Let's start let's just keep twenty twenty rolling man because we can't do this without y'all. We appreciate you guys so much. When I say thanks for the love, I truly do mean that. Uh love all you guys and all the support uh, that you guys showed us all season.
0: Well again, this episode, this podcast is powered by the athletic. Be sure to rate, subscribe, all of that on iTunes, or I guess it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. We appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. Mike, man, where can they hit you up at? You can
1: always follow me at Mike Dugard, man. M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Thank you again, everyone. We will catch you in the offseason to speculate for the next four months. And always remember, never kick.
0: (laughs) On that note, we out.
1: You should smoke something, try the marijuana, I was never you good. The viral strength shows you a couple of things, and they finish. I
0: told you right, everything was a gift from a time to your bag.